because sometimes the mind, you know, in the marathon especially, will start drifting to other competitors, external situations, um, when really you need to be focusing on just holding your form together and holding that, that relaxed Welcome to the fifth episode in the Ask the Yogi Runner series on the Running on Om podcast. I'm Julia Hanlon, creator of Running on Om, yoga teacher, long distance runner, and plant powered advocate. My good friend and fellow yogi runner Susie Stefan and me started the Ask the Yogi Runner series on Running on Om because on a daily basis, we get questions from athletes we coach, yoga students we teach, and even questions from strangers on the practices of running and yoga, how they complement, contradict, and also how to just get started in them. So if you want to ask us a question, we would love to hear from you. It's as easy as emailing us at asktheyogirunners at gmail.com. Today in this episode, though, we not only answer some questions, we dive deep into how our yoga practices have impacted our recent marathon experiences. In part one of this episode, Susie and me recorded it the day before the Eugene Marathon and discuss her build-up to the race as well as my recent time at Boston. In part two, we recorded it hours after Susie crossed the finish line of Eugene, and she reflects on her experience. We explore how the power of mantra, breath, and running without a Garmin watch led Susie to set a marathon PR in three hours, three minutes, and eight seconds. Blazing fast. We also discuss my unexpected marathon journey guiding Lisa, a visually impaired runner in the recent Boston Marathon. I explain how the plan was to only guide Lisa for the 13.1 miles, but I ended up running the entire 26.2. After hearing our marathon stories, let us know that you tuned in, and we would love to hear your marathon story. You can tweet at myself, running on Ohm, or Susie at Long Runnergy, and if you have any questions that we can answer for all of you in the practices of yoga, running, or the intersection between the two, send the questions our way to asktheyogirunners at gmail.com. Let's dive in today's show. Welcome back, everyone, to episode five of Ask the Yogi Runners with myself, Julia Hanlon. Hi, yep, welcome back. And my name's Susie Steffen. And we've been away for a bit. Both Susie and myself have been doing lots of different projects, running yep. yoga adventures. And we've both stepped away from the podcast just so that we could focus our energy towards different things. And I'm also making a transition with running on OM to have most of the podcasts be only in person interviews so that it's higher audio quality and a higher connection between myself and the interviewee so that your listening experience can really be deeper. So today, crazy but true, Susie and me are sitting together (laughs) in person. It's taken a while. Yeah, it's taken two years (laughs) for us to be back together. So it's, it's awesome and we're excited to get to share with you guys what we're up to. Yeah, it's a great opportunity to reconnect and like we've been talking about, just connecting with the running community on so many different levels. Yeah. So what have you been up to, Susie? What? Why are we even sitting next to each other? Right. Well, there's this thing happening tomorrow called the Eugene Marathon. And back, I guess back in January, um, a group of us in Hawaii decided we'd like to run a spring marathon on a kind of flat course, a course that was maybe a little, uh, has a reputation of being a little quicker than the Honolulu Marathon. And so, yeah, we all signed up. And I guess we were chatting and uh, I know there was kind of a great Wazelle group of girls coming here and that kind of community link, obviously. And one of my best friends, Stephanie, who's sitting 
in the midst right now <laughs> um, is also moved to Eugene to work for Tracktown. And I have some good friends in Portland, so it was a no-brainer to be here and get to support you in the marathon. So I'm really excited for tomorrow. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's already been a great few days. So yeah, looking forward to tomorrow. Definitely. Well, <laughs> I think we need to start back at the beginning because obviously Boston is the, the main spring marathon for most Americans. And you had a very unique experience this year, which I think everyone would be interested to hear about. So maybe you could start about how you became involved this year. Yeah, so I, um, I got connected with a team called Team with a Vision, and it's visually impaired athletes from around the world who were coming to run Boston Marathon. A lot of people don't realize it, but a lot of marathons have visually impaired divisions so that, for example, California International Marathon, to win the CIM as a visually impaired athlete is a pretty big deal. And it's really sure. respected in the visually impaired running community. So I was going to be set up to pace Lisa Thompson. She's from Houston, Texas, for the first half of the marathon. And her boyfriend was going to be um, pacing her for the second half. And Lisa's been quite injured the past couple months, um, actually weeks more specifically. And so she hasn't been doing a lot of running. And she's a 316 marathoner, so really speedy. Yeah, it's quick. <clears throat> Definitely. And um, she's also a master's runner, which is even cooler. She's 47 and still blazing fast. So I just didn't really know what to expect. Mm -hmm. um, and I knew I was going to be running half of it with her. And we didn't really know what kind of pace she was going to be able to do. It was just her goal was to finish right okay because she had qualified for Boston and so I met her the day before I met some other incredible athletes on team with a vision including Scott Jurek who was also pacing okay. guy <laughs> that was pretty cool for any runner nerds out there Scott Jurek is a hero of mine as a vegan oh, endurance yeah. athlete mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, love, I love his book it's great yeah, yeah eat and run yeah. definitely a must read for any running on home listener um, put it on the list but I got to pace Lisa for the first half and it was just a tremendous experience running it with her. A lot of people have asked me like, what does it even mean to pace someone who's a blind runner? And a big part of my duty was just giving her um, verbal cues about her visual surroundings. Okay. So like Suze, if you were running next to me, I'd be like, hey, watch out, a runner's coming up on your left. You gotta yeah. step over this speed bump. We have this coming up on our right, a mm -hmm. hill, we're descending, just giving her the whole landscape. Because she was taking in so much with her ears and with the tactile experience of her feet on the ground and feeling it out. So I was running and running and then we reached the point where we were going to meet her boyfriend and he wasn't there. And oh, okay. so I just kept on running with her mile by mile. And we had then called him on the phone to see if he was going to come. And he said he was there at a different place. It was just kind of confusing. So we just kept on running together and... I didn't even think about it during it, like, oh, I'm about to run 26.2 miles. I've never run more than 15 miles, like, right. in one run in my life. <laughs> but, yeah, we crossed the line together. Wow. Yeah, quite a moment. Definitely quite a moment. Really surreal. Because mm. being from Boston, I've... Boston Marathon's, like, one of my favorite days. It's, like, Christmas. Everyone <laughs> is... It's a celebration. Yeah, of course. It's a great way of describing it. Yeah. And just to get to be a part of it and Lisa's experience was an honor. And then to get to just go with her from Hopkinton to Boylston Street totally unexpectedly, like waking up that morning never having thunk I'd run a marathon and then completing it was just unreal. And I mean, the fact that you guys carried on, you know, you didn't let it 
stop you I guess it was probably important to kind of keep moving you didn't want to slow down because it looked like it was kind of a cold wet day and yeah you know just plowing on and just helping each other I mean obviously one question I had was were you actually connected like did you have so some blind athletes like to have a tether but Lisa prefers not to be tethered right so I was um usually she I was on her left side because she's she has no vision in her left eye and in her right eye I think she has very very little vision um so I was on her left side and getting to either sometimes a few steps in front of her a few steps behind her whatever she felt comfortable with right at that time so were you constantly communicating I can't even I don't even think there was like two minutes that would go by that I wasn't saying something okay wow right right, like I was literally talking for the entire time okay gosh and did she ever communicate like did she tell you yes or no? Like, did she completely? Let you know yeah, no. Mm-hmm. It was very much a dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I would say things to her. Or I was because the yoga teacher in me and the coach in of me course. would be like, "Relax your shoulders, like <laughs> breathe." And she's like, "Oh, this is helpful." Like, she really responded to that kind of feedback, so that was really fun. Um, and at one point, I was giving her like too much encouragement. She was just like, "Shut up." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay." <laughs> I'll, I'll back off and that was like when we were when she was really hurting towards the end which is totally understandable um <laughs> yes right <laughs> I mean you see you see the best and the worst of someone an experience like that um so that was kind of a tender fun moment <laughs> but then she also asked me like maybe around 15 miles she was like can you start to tell me some stories ah, right, because okay. she was like I need to be distracted yes and so I started to tell her some stories about actually the podcast and different oh, podcast interviewees because okay. It was just a way to draw upon the inspiration of other runners out there. Mm. Um, and she really responded to that. Great. Yeah, I, can't, I mean, and how did you feel the next day after? It's like when you woke up, like, did you feel like, wow, yes, my body has, like, that is a major effort I ran. I can really feel that I ran 26.2. Oh, I, I don't think so. When okay. I woke up the next day, I definitely was tired, mm-hmm. but... My legs have felt more trashed before Okay, All from right. races or from other harder harder efforts, I think, because, and this is something we've talked a lot about, the distinction between easy days easy and hard days hard. Mm-hmm. And when I was running the Boston, I was running it with her at a, a pace for me that was a pretty easy long run type pace. Okay. And so I think if, for people listening out there being like, oh my God, you just ran a marathon. Yeah, I did run a marathon and it was much longer than I've ever been on my feet. But it was a very different pace than, let's say, some people really pushing themselves in the marathon, which yes. I have tremendous respect for. Yeah. But because I was running a pace that was very sub-maximal for me, mm-hmm. I think because of that, the toll my body was just different than if I had been running at a really at a pace that was really challenging for me. Okay. Got it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but as far as the recovery went, I was just kind of took it day by day, and mm-hmm. didn't I took the day off after, and then within a day I was back and running, and just made sure coming back to workouts and harder efforts, I gave my body enough time to adapt. And then as well as like, I really believe my plant-based diet is paramount to the recovery process. Mm-hmm. The, because you've got that low pH and you're getting lots of anti-inflammatory benefits. Yes. Probably. Right, right, right. Totally. Yeah. And so this kind of brings us to you and the marathon you're about to run tomorrow. And I know... Yeah, I mean, it's come around so quickly. I mean, I'm sure everybody says that about a marathon that's been on your calendar, you know, for months. Um, and so... In the lead up to this, um, it's been pretty different. I don't think I've ever had a training uh, block that's been so uh, up and down and on and off and all that stuff. So it's going to be 
interesting, I think, tomorrow, and I'm trying to approach it with a very open mind, you know. Um, obviously, my A goal at the moment is always to break three hours. You know, I, I know for a lot of people that's a big goal. So that had been my initial goal probably at the beginning and things were going well, but then, you know, I've had a couple of illnesses that just have knocked me out a couple of times. So, you know, you have to adjust your goals and I'm still going to go for, you know, about seven minute pace, but, um, and then see how I feel. So as part of that, as a little bit of an experiment, I'm planning on not wearing a watch and that is really so that I can run more intuitively and listen to my breathing and take more of a yogic attitude, yeah. like approach going into this race rather than um, feeling pressure to look at my wrist every so every you know like get that kind of left look at my wrist. And people talk a lot about this idea of running within yourself, mm-hmm. and I think in order to do that, as you've said, there has to be this intuitive. Yeah. sense of time and confidence yeah can you speak to me a little bit more about specifically like how your yoga practice has maybe impacted the mental side of this preparation yeah definitely I, I mean I think in yoga you well if say when you're um, doing different styles of practice for example you know you'll do some more restorative recovery days and then there are going to be days where you feel more energetic and you feel like doing a little bit more of a um, upbeat flow practice for example or something maybe some people like ashtanga or something like that but you really listen to your breathing and you use your breath to help you focus your mind and to really listen to your body and I'm going to apply that approach and I think I've learned that through yoga like I don't think my running ever had that until I became until I started taking yoga classes and um, although Maybe, I mean, the interesting thing here is that when I was in high school, I never wore a watch and I did not know pacing. That's really interesting. Um, and I, and I, but I think when you're a kid, for me anyway, when I was a kid, I ran much more freely. It was only when I became more of an adult that I applied the splits and the time and you put that pressure on yourself. Probably when I started running 3, 000, the 3,000 on the track, like you needed to know your splits. So I think probably maybe more like the age of 17, 18, 19, you know, I started. But prior to that, when, you know, you're going up through the ranks, I, I had no idea. I mean, you know, but I, I think I see a lot more people now with watches and I see a lot more high school kids with a Garmin. I know. And I'm like, wow, I had no idea. I just did what I was told. I would run. And when I was had to be peeled off the track, I knew I was done. You know what I mean? And so I think I ran much more like... Um, from a place of just pure, like going for, like maybe with more heart, if that's a good. With heart, yeah. With if more that's a good, if, I know, I know that's a lot of people maybe say that nowadays, and um, but I think I think I can look back and truly say that, you know. So I think I think I went through a stage in my life where I lost that. So I think I'm trying to rediscover that a little bit, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. so beautiful, and I feel like your recent half marathon at Hapalua, mm. you really put that into action. Yeah, well, that one that was a very unique race because it was part of the chase, which is Team Hawaii um, setting off with a handicap system ahead of the main field, which includes it had uh, three Kenyans in it, three elite athletes. Oh, actually, sorry, I should say four, but the, there was a Japanese guy who actually started. He had a little handicap as well. Um, so that race, I set off with uh, my pace group and. Um, 
I totally ran on feel that day and I ended up running uh, yeah like one of the fastest half marathons I've ever done and wait and the entire week before yeah I think you were and ran twice or something you ran twice because you were really sick yeah mm -hmm. and were at home in bed so that's also pretty remarkable to me that you were able to really run within yourself yeah coming back from sickness yeah and trusting your body and what it was capable of doing yeah mm -hmm. very true yeah I I mean I was I definitely was uh standing on that start line thinking I just need to get to the finish you know I've committed to this race I'm going to give it everything I've got and but I I was really unsure about my body like if it's actually going to hold up um and it did but it took a lot out of me that race you know then the recovery was kind of tough but um so just actually I'm so thankful that I've made it here to the to Eugene so in another sense yeah that's part of it as well I just want to enjoy the marathon as well you know like I made it here and actually there's out of the group uh Gil one of our runners he's from Hawaii he was like you know actually the six of us signing up and the six of us getting to the start line that's really that's pretty awesome because to you know often someone you would think from a group of six might pick up an injury might not make it to the start line so you're all here we're all here we're all we're healthy we're capable of running who knows what time we might finish in but just that fact that we've all made it here is just one it's a huge uh, accomplishment in the first place right you know so it's kind of cool it's this idea that to me is also really similar to yoga with the hardest part of a yoga class is actually just getting to the class. Yes. <laughs> so it's like the hardest part of a race maybe is actually the whole process and the journey to the race. But that's like the point of the whole thing was the process and the journey. Of course. That you experienced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. so in that process, I know yoga has mentally really impacted you in your mental experience, in your framing. Mm-hmm. And one aspect of that is mantras mm-hmm. and having a trigger statement or a key power statement. Do you yeah. have a statement for tomorrow? Yes. And in the past, I've had a slightly longer mantra that might have had four or five words that I would repeat, uh, say, for London or the Brighton Marathon. But for this marathon tomorrow, I'm just going to keep it really short and simple. And it's just going to be relax and breathe, like R and B. So even if it gets to a point where I'm just R&B, R&B, you know, <laughs> but I think relaxing, like you were talking about with the lady, uh, Le- Leanne, no, Lisa, from Lisa, Boston. yes. You know, you would say, hey, relax, drop your shoulders, you know, so that's huge for me because I tend to get a little bit tense in my upper body. Uh, and then also breathing and I think uh, using your exhale to just kind of relax, it's, it's really important. So that's where I'll be like focusing on inhaling but then relax with the exhale like dropping my shoulders you know staying nice and loose yes that's huge yeah that's really huge and we had the opportunity this morning to meet a couple different wazelle women who are on the team and one of them was asking us specifically about the yoga practice and postures for as runners that really help her in particular, she was talking about hip openers and thoracic spine mobility. And I was hoping we could just answer Carrie's question a little bit. She's a runner from Arizona and she's a part of an elite female distance running group yeah. there. The Sonoran Distance Women's Project, I think. Yeah, I so right. cool. Yeah, so cool. Um, and I just, I feel like for both me and you, a huge way we use our yoga practice is in the recovery. And mm-hmm. whether that's half pigeon or frog pose, 
Yep. Those are both huge for us. Legs up the wall. Yep. Mm-hmm. Soup de Barakonasana. Yep. And we'll definitely put in our show notes these names in English because I know Sanskrit can sound like a totally crazy language. <laughs> and I recently took part in a yoga challenge on Instagram, which was focused on hips and hip openers. So that was with Anne, who was one of our previous interviewees. On episode three. Yes. And it was basically runners love yoga hips. That was the hashtag. So you can search through for all the descriptions on, on how to do some of those. And um, it was a fun way of just joining in with the yoga community on Instagram. And the thoracic spine mobility, a huge thing for me, has been getting in twists in my yoga practice. So whether it's a gentle twist or a lunging twist, and the lunge warm-up is something I've shared about on Running on Ohm, and it's from Coach Jay Johnson in Boulder, Colorado. And it's a really simple few lunges, forward, side-to-side, lateral lunges. They get you moving in five different directions as a warm-up before you run. And I've now incorporated it in my coaching with my high school students that... The first thing when we get outside before we go out on our run is everyone does the lunch warm-up. And then we head Mm -hmm. out for our run. Mm -hmm. And that's a great thing to create that mobility in the spine because you do some twisting and side lunging before you actually start running and moving forward. And it comes back to this thing we were discussing earlier about the craft of running. Right, yes. And how we need to apply that that kind of thought process that this is something I'm going to be artful about. It's, it's, it's almost like, yeah, a creative, you're going to, of course, you're going to be out moving across the world or wherever your little corner of the world is, you know, being um, expressive in a physical form, you know. So, yeah, thinking about kind of tweaking your form and through drills, through specific mobility exercises, I mean, is huge. And, and I think we talked about swimmers and swimming and, how everybody in swimming usually starts off with a warm-up and drills like you do drills if you swam in high school like you do drills probably every day you know and and as runners we possibly skip that you know and we just want to run yeah and we right. forget about the little things yes yeah. so tomorrow tell me what is your plan you've you've already said your goals to break three so yeah. will you do drills will you do strides do you warm up before a marathon Take me a little bit to the specifics. Yep, I will definitely warm up because it's due to be about 50-ish tomorrow morning and I've come from Hawaii where, you know, it's never 50. So I need to, one, anticipate for that change of just outside temperature and obviously my core temperature So and then the temperature of my muscles. So I'll do, you know, easy jog, not much, but I'll definitely go through some mobility, kind of um, hip swings and things like that and a little bit of just hip work but very gentle um and then probably a couple of stride outs again nothing too much but it's just like getting the blood flowing through your muscles as part of that warm-up so you're not going from standing still to suddenly moving um and you know i don't think we have to go to the corrals too early so i know it's very different to maybe a bigger marathon where you do have to get to the start line super early so hopefully that'll work out yeah Um, and I'm going to be running the first half of it, hopefully with Susie pacing, supporting her through, mm-hmm. it, through it. Yeah. And telling her R&B. <laughs> <laughs> and stay tuned, you guys. Yeah, we're going to be checking back in tomorrow after the marathon. So this is kind of a neat experience. We're going to do a before. This is the before. And hopefully tomorrow we'll be back to give you the after. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, thanks. 
So we're back. Yep. Post, part, part two. Post-marathon. Yeah, just a few hours later. Yeah. <laughs> fresh fresh in the mind, fresh in the legs. Yes, that's debatable. But <laughs> Maybe just start off with, you know, how are you feeling right now? Yeah, right now, um, my calves are super tight. Um, generally, my whole body doesn't feel too fatigued, though, so that's, I think that's a good sign. Um, I felt, um, I mean, working backwards, I think my overall fitness was great. I just had this kind of calf issue, which um, it did affect me in the last half marathon that I did, so it's something that I'll have to go away and think about and work on and uh, talk about with my coach, but um, so far, so good. so yesterday before the marathon we talked about mantra and Mm -hmm. you shared your mantra yep r&b yes relax and breathe so in the marathon today you said a pr which was really exciting yeah and how did that mantra impact your experience the mantra really helped in the middle of the race mostly when I was trying to hold my pace for as long as I could just keeping the shoulders relaxed and then just using my breath to just bring my attention and my awareness back to my breath because sometimes the mind you know in the marathon especially will start drifting to other competitors external situations um, when really you need to be focusing on just holding your form together and holding that that relaxed as much as you can for as long as you can so it really helped um, probably from halfway onwards and then it helped at the end as well um, when my calves were really cramping so I was trying not to I was just trying to acknowledge that cramping without completely giving into it if you see what I mean just seeing it as a separate kind of issue (laughs) Um, yeah so from, from about mile 20 anytime I put my foot on the gas like to try and keep going, um, my calves would just respond by tightening up. So I had to try and ensure that they just stayed relaxed so that they, because I, 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 the last thing I wanted to happen was that I would cramp so badly that I would have to stop because it's so hard to regain that momentum when you stop that physical forward motion. So I was just like, okay, just, you know, just slow it down, just ease it back, just breathe, just relax, you know. This is be- and it was, it was a beautiful course. Um, like, it was, loads of people cheering like you know just perfectly placed though it wasn't like an overwhelming bank of crowds it was more like people on bikes people walking their dogs and everyone was supportive so it was so green as well it was just like you know the tree canopy was coming down over you and it was very overall it was a very positive marathon probably one of my favorite marathons I've done so far for sure yeah wow Mm -hmm. And I know you went in with the goal, I feel like you had a couple different goals, and maybe the mm-hmm. moonshot goal, the bigger goal was breaking three hours. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And today you ran 3.03.08. Yes. So how do you feel after that? Do you feel like disappointed? Do you feel still really excited about the PR? And how do you deal with disappointment or joy in your time? Because I think that's a thing, as we know, a lot of your friends today finishing may not have hit the time they had hoped. Yeah, I mean, it's a really good point and a really good question. And I think overall, a PR is a PR. And I'm never going to, you know, uh, not just be so thankful that I ran a PR. And, um, you know, the breaking three hours is a big task. And, you know, I think it would have taken probably a little bit more to break that, to, to reach that A goal today. So I'm perfectly happy, um, you know, 
considering everything and you know um it's definitely been a bumpy road to get here so i'm i'm super happy i'm not disappointed um you know i think it's been overall it's been a great great experience and can you take me to one moment during the marathon that you think you'll never forget whoo um <laughs> well it was awesome having you pacing and to running with you for the first you know section of the race was great fun and you know i think probably when you pointed out the guy with the Harachi running sandals on you know because i think i was kind of just concentrating and like i didn't really i wasn't really looking from left to right or my peripheral vision wasn't maybe that tuned in so when you were like sis check check out the sandals you know because he was trekking along he looked great and yeah i think he was from hawaii actually i think he was from maui for people who don't know, Hirachi sandals look like a goddess slipper, almost like a really um, low support sandal. Mm-hmm. I think, but people run in them. Yeah, I mean, I th- and fast. <laughs> I mean, forgive me. I mean, I think they come. I mean, I think they were described and outlined in Born to Run, and I know that a lot of people took up that barefoot running after reading Born to Run. I'm not saying like. I know a lot of people did it before Born to Run, so um, it's, it was kind of cool, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that was a fun moment. <laughs> that was really sweet. And what does the recovery process look like? And I know you have Chicago on the calendar for yeah. the fall, so how do you make that transition from letting your body recover and then building back up? It's uh, It'll probably... My, my coach has advised like a two-week break, so I'll just... I'll just well, actually, the plan is to go surfing as much as possible and then hiking and getting in the ocean, you know, because I think water, swimming is always a great recovery tool for me. I always swim after all my marathons because I just I just find it really just uh, kind of therapeutic, um, kind of like feeling the water massage my muscles, like no body weights and just breathing. Just again, I think swimming is a chance to focus on your breathing um, and hiking. I love hiking, so that's no problem. So they're, they're great kind of alternate alternative, sorry, um, forms of gentle cardio. And then the plan is to just slowly start increasing my mileage because I think I'm probably always hitting the same like three hours-ish because I just kind of get by on 50 miles a week. And um, I know and I, and I recognize that I probably need to make some changes to my training if I really want to um, up up. Reach your next level. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and, reach and your potential. It, all it's going to take is a few changes and a little bit more commitment. So I'm excited to up my mileage. Yeah, it is really exciting. This is still really fresh, as we've said, but what mm. do you think is the biggest lesson you've learned from today and today's experience? Because the marathon, whether it goes well or it doesn't go well, is a really humbling one. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I... I didn't wear a Garmin watch, so that was a plan going in, and I didn't wear a watch until we until we switched, and then I took your just regular stopwatch. Yes. And I'm glad I did that, because it gave, it, it gave me, I think when you, occasionally you need that extra motivation at the end of the marathon, okay, where am I, like, how am I doing? Um, so just looking and doing a quick couple of sums in my head just helped me stay on track. However, not I really think that not having that mileage bleep just it was yeah, just for was me crazy. personally it just was this great relief. I'm like I do not I'm like I don't like I'm just going to run right now. <laughs> like, I don't you know. And of course, I could have set my Garmin to not bleep every mile, 
um, I also forgot my Garmin charger, so I mean, I couldn't even <laughs> when I realized this morning, I was like, oh, well, um, it's dead anyway. <laughs> um, I think, I think it just, I really, I really ran from a much better place today. I was much more relaxed overall and, um, yeah, I felt much better. Yeah. And the I mean, the weather today was perfect almost perfect it's like 50 degrees when we started maybe 60-ish when we finished I'm not sure but there was no wind there was rolling course you know it wasn't like pancake flats um it was great it was really great mm. and I think all the people who came over from Hawaii had a, a, an equal experience you know um I think everyone was happy with how it went and how they finished yeah it's exciting mm. Well, Susie, thank you so much for sharing so openly no, about all you. of this and Thanks. sharing your journey and giving yeah. us a window into what you experienced. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the fifth episode in the Ask the Yogi Runner series on the Running on Ohm podcast with myself, Julia Hanlon, and my good friend and fellow yogi runner, Susie Steffen. It was pretty awesome to reunite with Susie after two years for the Eugene Marathon, and I hope we don't go another two years without seeing one another again, but we will keep on bringing all of you the Ask the Yogi Runner series if you send in your questions. We'd love to hear from you. Any questions on yoga, running, or how these two interact, feel free to send them our way to asktheyogirunners at gmail.com. Or maybe you just want to say hey on Twitter and let us know you tuned in. I really cannot begin to express how much it means to hear from all of you. I also want to finish up by telling you guys that big changes are coming to the Running on Ohm podcast over the next month, including a new audio setup that will bring higher audio quality for your listening experience. So stay tuned. This is your host, Julia Hanlon, and I hope you have a beautiful day.